Here from the dead, let poetry rise up, O sacred muses, since I am yours. Here let Calliope arise to accompany my song with these same chords, whose force so struck the miserable magpies that, hearing it, they lost all hope of pardon. That's right, we're a Riverdale recap podcast. And we are talking about Chapter 80, Purgatorio, by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and Stephen A. Adelson. Yeah! The beginning of Dante's Purgatorio. Oh. Yeah. Part Does he two. need an Oreo? Part two of the Divine Comedy. He would... If you gave Dante an Oreo, he would lose his mind because he is medieval <laughs> and has no knowledge of such things. And they're damn good. He never... Especially a peanut butter Oreo. Those are the best. He didn't even know what chocolate was. A sandwich cookie? My goodness. <sighs> what a sad life. So this is the episode that... Uh, Kicks off the seven-year jump. We've all been waiting for it on, on bated breath, standing on, on tenterhooks. And uh, the, the format of the episode is, is basically several distinct chapters where we, we meet characters now... Flash back to where they've been the last couple weeks before now. Yeah. Get back up to now. And then uh, uh, they, they all eventually round up. Yeah. That, that's the routine. Uh, so our uh, episode opens not with a Jughead narration. No. Oh, no, no, no. Instead, it is with Archie giving a football pep talk to the Bulldogs, <laughs> but at the same time... The military dudes. Yes, yes. He's hyping his team up to go join the football war. <laughs> Reggie's there backing him up, and so is his commanding officer. <laughs> uh, and their their mission is to uh, you know penetrate the enemy and uh, get their fallen brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As, as they enjoy the epic highs and lows of D-Day. <laughs> and high school sports. The football field. Is like, okay, Ar Archie is in his uniform in the locker room, but as soon as he gets out on the field, he's in his military uniform. And, and they're in his... charging down yes. the football field that also has like... The, the hedgehogs. The hedgehog things. Mm -hmm. And as... With a dead kid under every single one. Oh my god, every shot is someone already dead, dying, being exploded upon, or shot. And with, it's like arterial blood spray. That this is safety, Private Ryan. And it's two points. You see in like every shot, military dressed people and football people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mixed and mingling. Our Archie uh, uh, goes down dazed, and he sees Cheryl uh, cheerleading, very like with a flat like, affect. Yeah, and but then she gives a knowing nod, like you can do it, sir. And he like <laughs> army crawls. To Jughead, mm -hmm. who is wounded, and, and lifts him up to carry him to safety. And when he, uh, all of the friends... The girlfriends, the parents, everybody. Everyone's cheering him on from the sidelines to, you know, get the goal. Except one parent, Hiram Lodge, who shows up pointing a gun straight at his face in a gloved hand. And right as he gets shot, he, he wakes up in the hospital. And you know it's an army hospital because there's an American flag in every shot. <laughs> Most people who have nightmares about their high school days, they're, they're usually just like naked in class. And so 
his, his commander dude is there and is mm-hmm. all like, son, you ready to go home? Uh, he's like, no, I'm ready to go back to the battle. He's like, no, you've given a good seven years, son. It's time to go home. Did you know your hometown has an <laughs> inactive RR, RROTC program? And, like, you should go be in charge of that. And, like, I don't want to do that. If it's not a idea, son, it's a, a order. you got to go do it. Do some RROTC. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, after some uh, traumatic overseas experience that I'm sure we'll be learning about more in the coming weeks. Or maybe we won't. Who could say? <laughs> uh, he, he's now being being put into the recruitment side as the ROTC uh, contact for Riverdale High, resurrecting their lapsed program. Uh, but he, he's not going immediately. He has another day to, to say goodbye to uh, presumably the, the figure in his dream represented by Jughead. Yes. A, a younger soldier that, that he rescued. Uh, he, he reads to him a, from A Farewell to Arms out loud, which coincidentally is what Sweet Pea says to all his shirts. <laughs> and, you know, they have a whole thing of like, don't want to leave everyone, but they're making me. And, and, oh, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And look me up, you know, when you're out of here. Yeah. Here's my address in Riverdale. They're brothers in arms. It's very stock, but it, it's earnest. Yes. Uh, I do want to note that either Archie's hair grew a lot in the hospital or it is not regulation. <laughs> Just going to say. Uh, so he gets back to Riverdale, gets off the bus. At the exact same bench he was at uh, uh, in the previous episode. Yes, because that is the bench that the military picks you up from and yep. drops you off at. Some things never change. Uh, and it is, you know, by the, the sign, the Riverdale sign, and it is no longer the town with Pep. It is the town with a hole blown through it. Yeah. The sign is not looking very well. And neither is Pops with its evil red glow cast it's into the so night. It's so incredibly red, and there's all these bikes outside, there's no cars, mm-hmm. and, and he walks in. And, and there's a young lady who we don't recognize serving people coffee. She seems nice, though. She's pleasant. Yeah. Archie takes in the scene, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, this this girl, this unknown girl, is, you know, you know, have a seat. Like, if you want some coffee, it's fresh. But, you know, if you don't, uh, if you want something stronger, go downstairs. Ah, double coffee. Espresso. Super coffee. <laughs> So he uh, does go downstairs, and we find out that Le Bonhui is now the new white worm. The white worm is reborn. And I love it. I'm <laughs> like, screw Le Bonhui. I didn't ever, ever want to go there. I want to go to this white worm. It looks great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It looks fun. It looks inviting, yeah. but also edgy. It is now a biker slash trucker speakeasy. Yes. Yes. We see Tony. Up on stage. She's performing. She's singing. Uh, with a lot of snake outfit inspiration. And two backup dancers that each have giant snakes. <laughs> and uh, she is uh, Pregos. She's very large. Vanessa Morgan's actual belly, I assume. <laughs> it, she is actually pregnant, yes. She was. She, at the time of filming, yes. She has since had uh, her little baby. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, but she is joined up there by our good buddies Fangs and Sweet Pea, uh, uh, the guitar. <laughs> Fangs is a little hard to recognize because he does look like he aged seven years. 
He grew some facial hair, grew his hair out. Yeah, yeah. While Sweet Pea looks like he aged negative two years, <laughs> he became more baby somehow. He did. He really did become more baby. And it's amazing what a little little hair growth does for uh, our buddy Fangs there. <laughs> it's It's really funny later on mm-hmm. when you start to see people together because he is the only one that looks like he aged. <laughs> Like him and eventually we will see Jughead. Jughead looks like he aged. Yeah, yeah. Because he lost the hat. Because he lost the hat. No one else looks like they did. But they they are there. And I would like to point out the wonderful neon serpent uh, yes. tattoo design. That's mm-hmm. great. That neon light is awesome. Archie and Tony sit down at a table and, and catch up. Apparently the, the parentage of her baby is a secret. Secret for I'm, now. I'm wondering if the father is in on the secret. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about how, you know, they got Labanwi, and uh it's the serpents bought it from Hiram. They all went in on it together. Mm-hmm. What I'm confused about though is so they bought the white worm from Hiram. Yes. Does Pops own the upper part? Clearly, yes. <laughs> The so, upper part and only the upper this part. This building is split into two ownerships like a condo. Yes. Okay. It's a little strange. <laughs> it's a little strange. Who owns the lot? That That's the, the deciding factor, right? Who owns the land? Archie just doesn't know. <laughs> Archie owns the, the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Cheryl owns the like surrounding area. <laughs> Archie brings up like, man, like the bus ride into town felt weird doesn't feel like riverdale and and tony's basically like yeah this place is a big shithole uh cheryl said she was gonna do some stuff guess she's a big old failure uh whatever and archie asks where pop tate is and uh tony's like you didn't hear i thought that's why you were back and this is when my heart fucking drops because we haven't seen mr tate is Pop Tate gonna die? Is Pop Tate dead? Bum, bum, bum. Uh, but instead we cut to chapter two, you might say. It's Betty's story. She is uh, doing her FBI workouts, which includes running through the woods and pretending like you are doing the savage race yeah. by climbing things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all while wearing an awful sweatshirt and turtleneck. That, hey, hey, that's a government issue, awful sweatshirt and turtleneck, I'll have you know. It's so bad. And and through all this, we, we cut to her conversations with her psychiatrist. Yeah, she, she's having some work-mandated therapy. And as we all know, therapy means candy dishes. So she's sneaking some chocolates. Yes. So uh, what we end up finding out, that, that something happened and she's been sidelined. Like, she she's mm-hmm. not like fully back to work they have her doing cold cases and she thinks that is bullshit and as she tells her therapist she caught serial killers in high school Mm -hmm. and the therapist is like well that's not the same as the trash bag killer (laughs) the trash bag killer trash bag fucking killer (laughs) what so then we go to her at work trying to pitch her her murder board yeah, I didn't... To a dude that is, like, her boss and her boyfriend. Agent Glenn. Glenn? Yeah, I had to look up his name on the Riverdale wiki. His name is Glenn. Ugh. He doesn't even have a last name yet. Ugh. Uh, and so she thinks the trash bag killer 
TBK mm-hmm. uh, is a migrating serial killer. Yeah. He's like a bird mm-hmm. or a butterfly. Yeah, he, he goes from Oregon to North Dakota to... She doesn't get to name the third place before uh, Glenn cuts her off and says, Oh, you're so silly. And, uh, you know, just reminds her that, like, last time you followed a hunch, it did not go well for you. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. like, and then he's like, Hey, you, you want to, like, get pizza and some beer? And I'm like, Dude, like, she ain't going to do you tonight. You're kind of being <laughs> a dick. Oh, the thing I love is she's like, well, how am I going to, like, redeem myself if I'm locked in a basement doing cold cases and I'm just like, have you never seen the X-Files? Yeah, yeah. Come on, you can save the world! This, this- Find your lost sister, where's Polly? Was she abducted by aliens? (laughs) Maybe you should go check on her in a bee farm. The twins are definitely on a bee farm. (laughs) (laughs) They're about the right age to be the kids of the bee farm. Yeah! Yeah! I put it all together! (laughs) um so she she ditches his invite for some pizza by saying she's gonna meet some friends for some thai food but that ends up just being her eating alone on her couch looking at murder files of the trash bag killer yeah this is the point in the episode where I put it in my notes. This is a better X-Files reboot than those young agents from season oh, 10 those young agents were fucking awful <laughs> fuck them that was stupid. I'm glad they realized immediately that it was not going to happen. <laughs> that no one was buying that bullshit. No, you're not making a spinoff. I would watch the Betty Cooper uh, X-Files spinoff. Yeah. Because it is emotionally grounded in her frustration at doing these these cold cases in these files that nobody cares about. Yeah. That I would enjoy. Not not like the these X-Files fans that got into the FBI to follow in footsteps. No, no, that, that is masturbatory. No, thank you. Here's what I want to know. How many people actually did try to go be FBI agents because of the X-Files and then found out, oh, it's like not as cool? I know someone who, who thought that's what she was going to do. Who? Uh, the, the girl in my dorm who, who bought oh, me a pie, pie every week. Fucking pie girl? Yes. Of course it was fucking Pie Girl. Uh-huh. Oh my god. I hated Pie Girl. Well, that's just because she got me pie every week. That weird ass girl. Because yeah. she was a weirdo. Yes. She was. She gave you like tiny copies of the Declaration of Independence for fun. Uh, it was a pocket constitution. Whatever. And it came in very handy in classes sometimes. But, like, she just gave those out to people. Well, no, she was a one-person tea party uh, protest. Yeah, okay, so there you go. (laughs) And then she just randomly gave you pie. I figure after the third one, it's not random anymore. (laughs) And you couldn't understand why me and my college roommate were weirded out by a random girl giving you pie. Oh, no, I totally understood it. I just wanted more pie. (laughs) I mean, like, take advantage of her. Fine. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, now we're in agree after all these years. I just wanted more acknowledgement of how weird she was. Oh, she was very weird. She was the weirdest person. The the last time I remember having any contact with her, I wound up in a large email chain when she was trying to convince people that FDR caused the Great Depression. What the fuck? During all this, Betty has flashes Mm -hmm. to the trash bag killer. And it is literally a person covered in trash bags. Yeah, yeah. He has a, like, they have a trash bag mask with, like, eye holes cut out. 
Also for breathing, I guess. You gotta breathe through the eye holes. <laughs> and uh, we see that she uh, glimpses of the trauma she went to because she's like trapped in a well. Yeah, it's very Silence of the Lambs. Like, she, it's literally the, the hole. I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs. You should see Silence of the Lambs. It's so good. It's so good. It, it's not that I'm, like, actively avoiding it. I've just, like, should, never had the opportunity. We should watch Silence of the Lambs. Uh, it's got a spinoff coming to CBS. Okay, that's kind of weird. There's a TV show about young Agent Clarice Starling. Uh, I'm not interested in that. But it's so good, that movie. So, uh, we also find out she has a kitty. Yes. She has a cat. She has one of them, like, gray cats with a black face. One of them cats. Yeah, like the fuzzy ones. Very fluffy. Uh, later, we find out the cat is named Toffee. Uh-huh. All of her cats are named after desserts. <laughs> there's a theme here. It's of, so good. Of mm -hmm. sugar sweets. So we got, we got some caramel and some toffee. It just is like, how long do you cook it? She wanted to name the cat Moose, but thought that might get confusing if she talked about the cat with her old high school friends. You know, yes, it would. Uh, so she goes to sleep, and she wakes up to her cat wailing? Yeah, just screaming. This cat just keeps She's doing... Like, weird warbly cat noises, and then the cat speaks fucking English. The cat calls her mom. Wait, what? Yes! Was that in the subtitles? No! It actually said mom? Th this cat's warbles sound exactly like someone saying mom. Maybe it's Salem's cousin. We're yeah. finally getting a Sabrina crossover. So she follows the cat noises out into the, the hallway of her apartment. And what does she see but body parts wrapped up in, in duct tape trash bags and her cat is eating someone's fingers. It's licking the blood off of them. That's all. It's oh, a little amuse-bouche. <laughs> and then a chainsaw starts and she's like, ah, and then she wakes up and she cuddles her kitty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so then she goes back to therapy and they're like, hey, any nightmares this week? And she's like, nope. Nope. Sleep like a baby. And her therapist is like, you're lying, bitch. <laughs> You don't start opening up to me. You ain't never going back to work. But this is interrupted by a phone call from one Archibald Andrews ringing up Betty. I'm glad nobody well, changed their phone numbers all these years. We're right before she's interrupted. We do find out more details of uh, her trauma, which is yes. that she was uh, trying to rescue the, the latest person that was murdered or yes. going to be murdered. Did not get there in time. And then she was kidnapped and held for two weeks. By the trash bag killer. Who then got away. Who then got away. So she's very guilty about him getting away. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. um, But yes, Archie calls her, uh, and she uh, explains to her maybe boyfriend that she needs to go back to Riverdale for a few days. And he's like, great, while you're there, can you close up the FBI satellite location that's still been sitting there since, you know, your serial killer brother worked there? How, how dusty is this office? <laughs> So the FBI has been paying rent on an, a satellite location for seven years. The U.S. government, everyone. It's just covered in rats. It's full of rats. There's poo everywhere. It's all poo. <laughs> From rats. From rats. And so she's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. You watch my cat. Okay. Uh, and they have a smooch. Chapter three. Uh, so we go check in on Veronica, who has the most potato dickhead husband. 
It's the guy that Veronica would definitely marry. His name is literally Chad. He is a Chad. His name is Chadwick. He's he's kind of a beta Chad, honestly. I hate him. He's the worst. Uh, and when we uh, meet that him, he is toasting to their one year of marriage. Yes. And he's like, When are you going to get pregnant, yes, baby? immediately. When will a little Chad or Veronica be running around? Maybe this year. You know what? Maybe you should stop working your job so much so you can focus on getting pregnant. And she's like, Honey, it's 2021. The and I'm fuck like, You fuck! Roberto, no, it's not. And you know what? I called this bullshit because he tweeted like a few days ago that was like Riverdale jumps ahead to the present, and I'm like, you it fucking asshole! Present. It was always in the present. You said 2020. You fucking asshole. And you know what? I had a bad feeling about it earlier in the Ver- in the Betty scene because Betty had a scrunchie in her hair, <laughs> and I was like, that is totally a now thing, you motherfucker. You just messed up your whole timeline. Oh, because it was so consistent before. <laughs> but we it was easy to figure out when it should be now. We it's, have a lot of gravestones we've looked at. We know when people died and you do a little math. 2021 is seven years after 2020, which is 51 years after FP was born. <laughs> do you need a chart? I feel like we need a chart. So that would be 1969. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Which means the Midnight Club would be set roughly around 1986. Okay. Which matches most of the music in the Midnight Club episode, but none of Alice's dialogue setting the scene for the Midnight Club episode. But that's okay. What it means is... Charles would have been born somewhere around 1987 which would make him both 34 and 40 in the year 2021. <laughs> Roberto. Yeah. Anyone. I'm calling out to anyone. Buddy, here's this thing. There's this stuff called notebooks and a pen. And you can like write down the timeline to make sure that it lines up. If it's hard to like know years, you can ask friends for help. Call a friend. Phone, phone your helpline. We are your helpline. I will do this for you. I don't want credit. Tweet me. 50 bucks and I will tell you how numbers work. That's all I need. <laughs> so. So, so. So, uh, Veronica. So um, Betty was born in 2002-ish. Ish. Uh-huh. Which, <laughs> which makes her 19 now? Or 26. <laughs> or 26. Because remember, one year counts as seven years. <laughs> Maybe this really her, isn't X-Files. But her older brother... <laughs> her older brother was born 15 years earlier than her. Uh-huh. Doesn't really look it, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now, um... I mean, it's no wonder that the Blossom Twins ended up in the wrong grades. <laughs> like, come on. We shouldn't even be questioning this. They were born five minutes, which is also two years (laughs) apart, if you go by the conversion rate. Tony has been pregnant 17 months. Tony was pregnant when she, back when she was seven years old, which is two months ago. (laughs) It's, it's like, um, a sebation pregnancy. Yes, it's like a sebation sebation pregnancy. Like, she's just been sitting dormant (laughs) with the sperm. 
But, like, I don't want to say sperm, because you said she was, like, seven, so that's, like, weird. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you know, it's like the Rigel sebation pregnancy. She ate ate a baby? She ate a baby! (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Veronica is really not down with this whole, uh, you need to be a baby maker. And I'm like, you know what, girl? Leave your fucking husband. He's an asshole. All the typewriters, all the tube TVs, all the 50s through 70s cars. It's all a clue. <laughs> it's its a time vortex. It is a time vortex. It has to be. And uh, so she makes some comments about how she uh, misses being on the trading floor. Yes, they called with... her the she-wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yes. Um, and right now she is working at Lacey's with Katie King. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you do. You know that show that was, like, supposed to, like, still be on, but isn't? That was supposed to be seven years in the future, but I guess was always the present. So <laughs> so we should have seen this coming from there, too. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like they were doing light sci-fi elements in the Katie Keen show. I mean, they might have. We didn't keep watching it. <laughs> We uh, then cut to her at work, which does not look to be Lacey's. No, no, no. no. They they are moving into the same set where uh, Uncut Gems was filmed. It, it is in the Diamond District. Yes. It is a black market <laughs> it's jewelry. Not, it's not black market. It's just a, a upscale boutique jewelry place. And she caters to slobs. Oh. And criminals and athletes and rappers. <laughs> I want to say some of what she has isn't, like, legally acquired. Oh, that's clear. But that's also very normal. <laughs> and so, yeah, she she's helping all of these people try to bribe their girlfriends who are mad at them. Mm-hmm. She gives stock tips with every order that are apparently very good. Yeah. And so she gets a call from Chadwick. Like, oh, hey, where are you? And she's like, oh, I'm at... Lacey's with Katie Keene, and he's like, no, you're not, because I'm here with Katie Keene, and you're not here. Nobody in this episode uses Katie's last name. Everyone just calls her Katie. The people need to know who we're talking about. Yes, yes. And I'm sorry, until this episode, she's always been Katie Keene. That's true. Oh, my BFF, Katie Keene. It was never just Katie. So we're we're back at the the dinner table in the uh, lodge loft. I feel like they stopped calling her Katie Keene because the show had been canceled by the time they filmed those lines. And they didn't want people to Google the show. That seems plausible. Because it's just a tie-in. It's not a promotional tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's it. Okay. So we're we're having a fight at the dinner table. And this is when I notice that their apartment has no walls. It's an open floor plan. It's a gigantic open floor. Which also means there's no closets. So all of Veronica's dresses are just on a, a rolling rack like at Lacey's yes. from the stock room. And the first thing you see on the end, I swear, is one of the weird sister dresses from... <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, that could maybe be so- that's their, like, between the cat saying mom and the weird sister dress, maybe they're trying to give us some subliminal... It could be from the Prudence Collection. Maybe there's something going on in Riverdale which explains this time fuckery. Maybe, maybe. But it's an icy mood. In, in Chad's domicile. Chad. Um, and, Chad. And so... Uh, Chad looks like he was made in a character creator he, with all middle sliders. He's all like, I thought we agreed you were going to work at Lacey's. And she's all like, you know, I tried it. I needed more edge. 
And he's like, but I thought we were working towards a baby. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I just want to puke. My vagina's running away. And I don't appreciate that, Chadwick. You've got a lot to explain. He just wants to hide. You got a lot to answer for, Chadwick. Veronica is like, you forgot who you married. And, and, you know, like, that's not me. And I'm like, okay, good. But keep going. Be like, I want a divorce, you motherfucker. You're an idiot. Do you know how long it's going to take us to to get, like, some some shirtless Kevin or some sweet romantic sweet pea to get that thing back? (laughs) Chadwick? (laughs) To get my vagina back? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Then he's like, well, ever since the accident. The a- Oh, yes. This is the first mention of the accident. Where they almost died. Or she almost died. And she's like, well, you did too. And they just have like a, a moment about the accident and how like it's always used. It, it will be explained, but not yet. It is merely foreshadowed. <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, Veronica goes to sit in on her mother's commercial shoot for The Real Housewives. Which she has been on for seven years? Or maybe just the one? Who could say? <laughs> but but she's a natural. She, she lays down her, her line in one take, walks right off set because everybody knows they nailed it. And the director says, I wish all the housewives could be as real as you. <laughs> she goes to her daughter and is like Andy wants to know when you can come join us for an episode or two mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, oh my god but she's so busy Veronica doesn't want her life to be opened up to this sort of hectic uh, uh, intrusive celebrity life especially when her husband's trying to make her a baby machine <laughs> and like it's a really weird scene because Hermione's very like what do you mean your marriage is bad what do you like you don't have to work like what do you mean you have such an alpha like chad she calls chad an alpha and i'm just have you met chadwick (laughs) chadwick (laughs) but i'm just like hermione did you forget how unhappy you were in your marriage why is it so hard to believe that your daughter's marriage to this doofus is awful Chadwick was grown in a vat that was labeled The Hundred Season 12, just in case. Chadwick could have been an amazing, like, he could have not been a, like, potato. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you start talking about babies, you become a dickwad. (laughs) And so then, like, Hermione's all like, you know... Ever since the accident, like, gonna reference it, not really talk about mm-hmm, it, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, time isn't really guaranteed, so yeah, maybe you should yeah. pop those babies out. You you don't know if you're gonna get another tomorrow. You you're may- kind of shriveling up and dying. <laughs> you may only live ten months. Let's use the nine you have. Uh, so Veronica goes home, and she, she is greeted by a whole lot of roses, and Chadwick with some champagne and a gift, and he's like... You know, I hate it when we fight. It's just like the accident. (laughs) You know, when our helicopter went down on the way to Martha's Vineyard. No, no. Marsha's Vineyard. Marsha's Vineyard. Marsha's Vineyard. It's when I said a prayer that you would be saved and like go on and and have children and live a life. And, And after we both made it, I just, I thought it was time we did all those things. 
Is this the scene where she tells him that he's been really bad at sex since the accident, or was that earlier? Because <laughs> she tells him he's really bad at sex ever since the accident. I don't remember, actually. <laughs> You know, they have a whole little thing where she's like, well, you have to trust me. We're partners. So, like, when I say I can handle something, you have to trust me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, but, like, open your press. Oh, that's this is when they're going to go have sex. Okay, okay. I don't know if she says here that he's bad at it, but they're going to go have sex. But he's like, you have to open your present. And it is a- It's an ovulation tracker. Here you go. <laughs> Basically, it's a Glamourge egg. <laughs> you get it? You get that it, That if eggs? you pee on it, it will track your ovulation. <laughs> And which explains it because her face is really pissed off about it Mm -hmm, mm because he's telling her that she can start, you know, they come out with a new one every year so she she can start her collection. Do you think her face is because that is what her dad used to bribe his mistress? His mistress, yeah. Kelly Ripa. Remember when Kelly Ripa had one His wife. (laughs) So uh, I think it's that. I hope it's the same exact prop as the one Kelly Ripa was paid in <laughs> in order to falsify EPA documents, yeah. I think. Didn't Veronica end up with it? Didn't she end up with that Fabergé egg? Glamourgé egg. Or Glamourgé egg. Did it get smashed? It's been so long. Maybe it got smashed. It's been so long. But I did think that like Veronica like had some Glamourgé eggs for a while. Oh, she definitely did. And so I also like was kind of laughing of like, maybe she's just really pissed off that he hasn't noticed the collection of them she already has. <laughs> That's such a Chad move. Oh, that all oh, that Chad. She's like, dude, I've been getting these for since I was five for my family. It's like the precious moments <laughs> of of Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. Uh Chad got her a, a Precious Moments commemorative Christmas ornament that says 2016. And she doesn't even know when that happened. <laughs> um, so she takes the Glamourge egg to her jewelry store. It is a jewelry store, yes. And uh, gives the same line mm-hmm. to customers of like, well, they come out with a new one every year. You can start a collection and they just eat it up. Yeah, yeah. Th- this dude who's clearly some sort of sleazy bookie trying and to his... buy a present for, for his dame. Yeah. He seems like the kind of guy who would call someone a dame. Yeah. Um, and then she gets a call from Archie. Uh, so now we go on to chapter four. Yes, it is time to meet Jughead, who has not cleaned his apartment in this entire seven year long year. No, and he is living in Alphabet City. In New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where he's not going to pay AA. No, he's not. He's totally living life without paying rent, which is what we're going to find out. <laughs> uh, so he is uh, typing away on his typewriter because in seven years he still hasn't bought a fucking computer. <laughs> Again, he had one. I don't know why we got rid of it. He doesn't know they make those. Also, now, it was bugged by Brett Weston Wallace. This is true. He's been traumatized. Uh, and so he freaks out on his paper. A girl comes out. It is his girlfriend, Jess, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the hell's going on. But he is frantically calling his agent for an immediate uh, lunchtime meeting. It has writer's block. And it's yes. the end of the world. And you know how you fix that? Talking to your agent, I guess. Well, eating a hot dog in the park. Uh, okay. All right. So, so he meets his agent, Sam, who's played by the man who provided the ocean dub voice for Goku. 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 <laughs> Jughead's literary agent is Goku, and he plays this literary agent as, like, the scummiest Hollywood agent, which I don't think is accurate, but I love it as a choice. the scummiest Hollywood New York agent. Yeah, yeah, like, he almost calls Jughead Bubby for some reason. (laughs) I don't know. 
And so apparently Jughead was like in the running for a staff writer job at the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is no longer in the running. It has been about a, a year or something since his last book came out that did well. But now, you know, if he doesn't get anything out, he's just going to be a one hit wonder. Yeah. I mean, his one book that has come out was fantastically successful. Yes. Huge hit among the literary community. But he's been taking so long to deliver on his next thing that people are already counting him as as damaged goods, washed up. The thing is, is like, they're saying it was like a year. Mm Mm-hmm. It takes a really long time to write a book. Leave the guy alone. He's only 19 slash 26. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, And so he's like, well, I have writer's block. And he's like, no, you don't. You have a horrible work ethic. Your girlfriend sucks. And you drink too much. (laughs) Uh, So he goes back home and finds an eviction notice on his door because guess what? He's not paying his rent. Mm -hmm. It's very Alphabet City appropriate. That only works if you're best friends with the guy who owns your building. Yes. Yeah. Jughead, you're going to go have to moo with them. <laughs> you got to moo. Jughead, you got to play the game. You got to moo with them. Diet Coke. Come on. <laughs> uh, and so when he comes in, he finds that Jess is moving out and breaking up with him. Because mm-hmm. um, he wouldn't light her candle. And he he stole her drugs. <laughs> uh, while he was gone, debt collectors came to the door. And, and so she leaves, and then he goes to a local bar mm-hmm. where a girl uh, by the name of Cora comes up to him with his book. His book, The Outcasts, which you're like, oh, it's, it's like The Outsiders, because he had all these like teenage leather boy uh, adventures. Oh, okay. But then they literally spell that out in the dialogue, like it was an intentional reference. Like, okay. It's a love story. It between... stops being cute if you'd actually mention it. I really love that it's though the like the love story between the viper leader and the homecoming queen. <laughs> we had to change it slightly so no one would you know it's that whole line from movies of we gotta, inspired by yeah, not actually yeah. depicting real people don't sue us. Names have been changed to protect the innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and she's like, Well, it was very sexy. Very sexy. So they rush home. They're already tearing each other's clothes off before they can even open the door to his apartment. And Jughead has a chest tattoo. He does. He does. And I googled. And plenty of arm tattoos. Well, he has he has more arm tattoos now, too. I could not find clear enough pictures of the arm tattoos, but I did find a super zoomed in picture of the chest tattoo after much Googling mm-hmm. uh, that it appears to be roses and a crown tattoo. Yeah, not not like a whoopee cap jughead sort of crown, but maybe inspired by it. More of like a golden coronet. But it's gray and it still has the red dot and the white dot. It is very much as whoopee cap inspired, but in a more crown shape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that Hybrid. Means he still has his crown, yeah. but in a different way. Yeah. He keeps high school close to his heart. Yes. Yeah. And so they go get it on. The only way 
Jughead has learned that the only way he can bring a girl back to this apartment is if they're already halfway to sex before opening the door. Then she can't, doesn't have time to look at anything. Yeah, yeah. She has to be drowning in his his mane of hair to, to like, for, as blinders. <laughs> well, and then when they, like, the next morning, he, while she is still, like, sleeping, he is frantically, like, cleaning up his living room. Yes. Trying to yes. throw away trash. And she comes out in one of his S t-shirts. That he's very surprised to see. Because it was buried in the bottom of a drawer. And I'm like, girl, you grab the first shirt. You don't grab, like, the bottom one. Now his drawer is messed up. <laughs> but then she notices some of his press clippings on the wall and admits that, that she read this uh, profile on him and, and a group of other young writers. Where they were referred to as the new Brat Pack. Yes. Of writers. Uh, uh, she's read this a hundred times, and now my fear is my, my fear is she's sleeping her way through the entire Stonewall crew. <laughs> <laughs> she's the real murderer. She's been giving Brett some conjugal visits, I guess. That wasn't about the Stonewall kids, though. Not that we know of, but it's it was well, my first thought. At first, I was like, wait, was that them? But it wasn't, because she said that, like... The article is how she knew that that bar is one of his favorite places. Mm -hmm. And, like, he would not have been going there well at Stonewall. Well, my thought was all of the Stonewall kids have also grown up and become writers. and They're all, all dead. Like, remember, we just killed a bunch of them. At least two are alive. Donna is in hiding still. Like, no one told her that the killer was caught. She's still running. And publishing under a pen name to support her escape. And so, yeah, so she uh, went to find him because she wanted him to read her novel. And if he liked it, maybe give it to his agent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's only 420 some pages. Look, every, every guide to how to break into publishing says the same thing. Find a, a, a hot new writer who is no longer hot or new and fuck him real good. Yeah. That's how it goes. It's like step three. Uh, so then there's a whole lot of knocking on the door, and it is the debt collectors again. Yeah. And she's like, are they going to hurt you? And he's very concerned about this, which seems right, because when we do finally see them, apparently it's like the fucking mob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently it's not, you know, he's behind on his credit card bill or his student loan. It's he got into some business with the mob. Jughead's landlord is Tony Soprano. Yes, we all know this. And so uh, he agrees that he will read her novel if she goes and pretends to be house-sitting to send them away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she does that, she gets their card, and then she comes back in and she's like, okay, you read my book, you got a week, and if you don't, I know who I'm going to call. Mm -hmm. And they're going to break your skull. Yes. Many other bones besides. Yep. But in this is when Jughead gets saved by the bell. He's wondering what he's going to do with himself, and he gets a call from Archie sharing with him this terrible, dire news that everybody has to be told about because everybody deserves to know this awful, awful thing that is happening that we don't still know what it is. That has something to do with Pop Tate. Yes. Back at the White Worm, mm -hmm. we are on, I guess, like, Chapter one, part two, because we are going back. Chapter five. Well, we're kind of going back to people we were already with. So it is Archie and Tony and Sweet Pea and Fangs and Kevin. He's catching up with everybody, nearly everybody who stayed in town or returned to town. Yes. So we find out that Tony 
is the guidance counselor at Riverdale High. Yeah, she she got her degree in social work, came back to, to work for uh, social services here in town. It got shut down by Hiram. That doesn't exist, so she became the new Miss Burble. <laughs> Kevin is the drama teacher, which I believe we predicted. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and he and Fangs are still together, so my heart is all happy. Kevin studied theater in, Car- in Carnegie Mellon, and Fangs went to University of Pittsburgh, and so they stayed together through their college years and are together to this day. They're us. They're us. Well, no, you've you've got uh, uh, Fangs's hair. <laughs> Not the facial hair, just the hair. No, yeah, I, I had that earlier, yeah. uh, about six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you're Kevin, but neither of us have his biceps. Yeah, but I have his passion for fantasy gaming. <laughs> Please tell me he starts a LARP club or something at <laughs> high school. So uh, Sweet Pea apparently stayed back in Riverdale. He and Tony ended up getting the serpents back up and going. Tony mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Serpent Queen. Yes. Uh, and the serpents now drive trucks to make money. They're, they're essentially a shipping company. Yes. <laughs> they, they went from two wheels to 18 wheels. This yeah. is what we call development. Yeah. This is progression. Uh, and so then the conversation turns to Cheryl. Uh, Tony did go to see Cheryl a few times. She and- has fallen to the family <laughs> madness. But in a less murderous way, I think. So the first time we visit Cheryl... Uh, oh, and I do love when, like, the Cheryl topic comes up that, like, Kevin and Fangs are just like, no, no, don't, don't, Archie, don't. But he doesn't listen. Uh, and so the first time we visit Cheryl, she is wearing a, a blue evening gown with her sp- spider brooch, mm-hmm. sitting in the newly constructed stained glass room of uh, Thornhill. Thornhill, painting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She She's taken up a new hobby. She is an artiste, one might say. Entirely closed off to the world, but still spending every waking moment with her Nana. What a good girl. Yeah. And and this conversation between her and, and Tony is pretty much like, Cheryl, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. And Tony doesn't believe her. So like... But like, Cheryl's receded into herself. Yes. She still speaks... In a Baroque manner, she, yes. she is very literary and and uh, with her flowery language, ha ha ha, blossoms, uh, but but with none of the the fire or or the venom yes. uh, backing up that wit. Yes, it's it's very weird. She's a wilted blossom. The second time, or Tony goes to see Cheryl. Sh- uh, Cheryl is wearing a red ball gown this time because apparently we only wear crazy ass ball gowns now. Hiram was there with Reggie. Reggie is Hiram's new muscle and he's so fucking greasy and I it, I, I love it. It's perfect. I love it. It's very good. I love it. He's not dead now, but he could be <laughs> dead in a few episodes for all we know. Anything can happen. Anybody can be dead in a few episodes. So apparently Hiram shows up there every uh, couple weeks to try to buy Cheryl's maple groves. Yes, he wants the trees. He wants the land. And uh, uh, Cheryl insists that, that that land will stay with her family and she shall be buried in it. And Reggie replies, well, we can make that happen. Yep. Hey, yo, what you want I Remember when we graduated high school together and we were like friends? I'm going to go collect rent on Jughead. Hey, yo, hey, it's me, <laughs> Bobby. So they leave, and uh, Cheryl is like, wants to paint Tony. Mm-hmm. So um, Tony agrees, and she sits down for like a 12-hour painting <laughs> session. 
And they they make some small talk and, and about in- how no one in town ever sees Cheryl or Nana Blossom. Mm-hmm, like they mm-hmm. don't leave. Uh, Tony mentions that she's pregnant, and Cheryl says, "Yes, I heard that." <laughs> like Tony is seven months minimum. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. <laughs> you don't have to have heard that. <laughs> And, and Tony tries to talk about how she is completely out with her family and her family totally like acknowledges and accepts all the work Cheryl has done mm-hmm. to, you know, make amends. And she thinks that her family would be totally like fine with them being together now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl's just completely focused on the fact that her family is cursed and she is going to live a life of unhappiness and she can't be with anyone. Cheryl is also uh, in through this whole scene wearing a, a, a red glove. a red leather glove uh-huh. on her left hand, just the one. Uh-huh. Something's going on on that hand. I don't know. She tried to tap a maple tree herself and cut off her arm all very like <laughs> You think she got a cyborg hand? Yeah. She got a Luke Skywalker going yeah. on? Yeah. I, I can see Nana, like, wiring the, the cyborg servos and, like, doing the little pokey test at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's it's more like Edward Scissorhands-y. <laughs> and that's why she has to wear the glove. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so their small talk ends. Tony sat there for another 12 hours, came home, and then Cheryl ma- mailed her the picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Archie is very confused by this because he's like, she didn't keep it to remember, like, your time together? Well, okay, so here's the deal. She's got other pictures, Archie. She has photographs. She has a yearbook. Yeah. But what we find out is that Cheryl painted a second picture. Yes. She had two. She mailed one to Tony and kept one. And Nana Blossom is admiring it. Like up close with like a jeweler's lens. And and she's like, you know, your your talent is just amazing. And could you replicate a different masterpiece like Rembrandt? Nana is getting real ambitious in her 300s. That, that's a common thing for, for a woman her age. Nana Blossom is going to make Cheryl go into a new business. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a new business. What are Nana Blossom's hobbies that require so much money? <laughs> is that woman doing too much coke or something? Well, she's really into Warhammer, you know, and that adds up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, they go back to talking about the town and, like, how it's changed, and Archie's like, can you give me a tour? Cheryl, I'm starting a new Tyranid army. (laughs) Uh, Archie's apparently crashing at the El Royale because his, his childhood home is being rented out. Um. So I guess they eventually turn the power and gas back on. (laughs) I guess. This is where he, we catch up in time and he makes... All the phone calls to everyone. Or maybe he doesn't and it's just like weird time travel. I don't know. Well, we also see that nobody has cleaned anything anywhere since graduation. (laughs) He barely put up like a steel fence to keep people out. Of the El Royale. Because this place should have been condemned years ago. Between two and eight years ago. Uh, And (laughs) And it's trashed. It's trashed. It's bunks and it's food wrappers and it's just a whole lot of garbage everywhere. Uh, and so Tony comes to pick him up with her bike. Why didn't he bike. sell it? He went to basic training 12 hours later. When would he have done that? He had no time to do that. He couldn't hey, be there. Hey, Mom, before you move out to, to Chicago... She and did that, like, two weeks later. Could No you, one hung around. Could you also put my small business on the market? You know what he could have done? He could have been like, hey, Jughead, you want to live there for the summer? Right? Jughead needed a 
place to stay. Tony comes to get him with her bike and takes him on a tour of the town. And their first stop is the fire station, which like caught fire Mm -hmm. and is condemned. Oh, how ironic. Delicious. And there's no longer a fire station because of Hiram. (laughs) There's there's no fire department. There's no fire department. The sh- this is my favorite. The sheriff department is down to one man, Kevin's dad. And I'm like, that's what it's always fucking been. When has it been? The only when has time- there been other cops? The only time there has been a deputy is when there needs to be someone who dies. It has always been a one man job. This isn't different. Like, literally, they're like, oh, we go to the sheriff or we go up to Betty and Jughead. <laughs> What the fuck? And the one lawyer in town is always okay with that. <laughs> so then the tour takes us to Ske- uh, Sketch Alley, which has been renamed Skid Row. I don't know why we had to rename it. They both seem like they imply things. It's basically the same, except more people live there. <laughs> okay. And there are wild dogs <laughs> roaming free. This giant dog comes by and she's like, oh yeah, there's packs of them. Some of them are rapid. Just in passing, as we hear growling and a dog attacking someone like two feet away. Archie and Tony are are walking forward with the camera behind them following. And this dog comes from the front and passes behind the camera's view. Then the the characters turn to watch as, yeah, the the classic stock sound effect of a dog mauling. As we just passively say, yes, some of them have rabies. It's okay. And this is five seconds after a close-up of the woman they walked past, presumably who is dead (laughs) now. They killed this woman. They're just staring. And here's the best thing. It's like, we don't really care. They don't care about this. But then they go to a melted bus stop and Archie's like, why would people burn down a bus stop? It's just a bench. I don't understand. How are the buses going to pick up people? There's no buses. We privatized, we sold off the buses. And according to Tony, there's always a fire in Riverdale because we don't have a fire department. department. Um, These are supposed to be, the the setup going forward is Archie and Tony are like the the twin saviors of Riverdale. You know, uh, uh, Tony's been holding on best as she could on her own. Archie's back uh, to to take up the mantle and, and give her a hand, right? Why are you so passive? Well, Why did we have to have the sound effects? And I'm just like, okay, so it's all gone downhill because Hiram is in charge. And I'm like, did we stop, like, having re-elections? Yeah, who is voting for this man? No one, because apparently everyone's moved out of the town. I, I guess. Anyone who run tries to run against him meets a mysterious accident. Okay, I can buy that, I guess. Tony goes more into how no buses come anymore, unless it's an army bus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just trucks and not at night, because bad (laughs) stuff happens at night. We call this the lonely highway. (laughs) This is like the fourth time she has, like, given some name to something. This is what we call it, Archie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is what it is. I'm like, what the fuck? It's been a long, long year. It's been so long, it feels like seven. (laughs) And uh, so then she takes him to the last... Stop, which is a big sign for Soldale. Yes. And specifically for the new turnpike Hiram is building to Soldale on, on its new lot, which I would presume has something to do with the, the maple orchard. Yes. Um, and it is, uh, I guess, in the Stonewall Prep School District. Yeah. Hiram's on the board there and is going to make sure that any stone 
any Sodale resident gets their kids into those schools rather than Riverdale High, because one can only assume what, what sort of business he's gotten up to there, too. Yeah. Uh, and then she takes him to his childhood home, which... But, but, oh. but yeah, the, the Sodale plan mm-hmm. is to get a lot of wealthy people to move in there and commute to Riverdale. Why would they? Okay. To what jobs? Here's what I think. Is when they said commute to the city, they didn't mean Riverdale. They literally meant New York City. Okay, okay. So he's... Because geography. Okay. They, they have been established to be pretty close to the city, like a 40-minute drive from the city. Yeah. Okay. This works. Especially with that brand new turnpike. Yeah. Okay. Then they go visit Archie's childhood home, which Mary has been renting out, mm-hmm. and apparently doesn't have anyone stop by to see how it's going. Yeah. Uh, because the ghoulies have moved in, and it looks like a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they have signs out front, a lot of graffiti. This is clearly a ghoulie house. Yes. Ghoulies exist again. Get with the times. And Archie is very unhappy about the ghoulies. Are they paying rent? That, I, I, I'm assuming so. Can Tom Keller come and serve an eviction? That's the thing, that's the thing I don't get is they, they've talked to it like, oh, mom's renting out the house. Oh yeah, the renters. Oh, it's the ghoulies. Well, you know what? You don't get to be a dickhead about who lives in the house. Yeah. They have a right to be there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think maybe you could find them for like spray painting the outside, but you can't kick them out for being ghoulies. They have tenants' rights, dang it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they go back to Pops, and guess what? Pop isn't dead! He's he's there, he's smiling, he's happy to see everybody, because by now, uh, the, the other three have arrived in town. They're already warming up the booth for, for Archie. And the dire, dire news that Archie had to share with everybody, they got everyone to drop their lives and come rushing back home. More important to them than their vow that, that has been lapsed for seven years, every other month they missed this vow... Pops is retiring. He's just retiring. He's fine. He's going to go fishing for a while. Yeah. And uh, the the other person running the diner that we were introduced to earlier mm-hmm. is his granddaughter. Yes. We don't talk about that here, but that's what we know. We Yeah. It, we know. It's staying in the family. She's going to get the restaurant when he retires, yes. not dies. He's not dead. Fucking, like, killed me earlier. I find this unrealistic. He- <laughs> I believe... Any of these three would have written a card and they would have really meant it. But I don't think they would have dropped everything and rushed back. Jughead, yes. Jughead would have. He wants to protect his thumbs and or kneecaps. I feel like Jughead has a deeper connection to Pops Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than everyone else. It's basically he lived there for a while. And Veronica was his boss for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But I still don't think, even with that, Veronica would have left her life to to go to a retirement party. Like, it really was a setup like he died. Or he had, like, terminal cancer or something. Something. Pop Tate doesn't have long to live. We all need to be here. It should have been something that a card wouldn't have covered. Yeah. Even for for these kids. Yeah. Uh, And so the the five of them, the five and a half little... Tony? Archie gives Tony his seat in the booth, and he just stands looking over the four of them. Um, about how Riverdale is dying, and they might be the only ones to save it. And, well, he pep-talks them into this, and quite frankly, none of them seem very happy to be there, except, like, Tony. Archie, we spent our entire teenage years trying. It's it's fine. It's done. So at, at the counter, Pop Tate's granddaughter 
is talking to uh, a girl named Squeaky. Squeaky! Uh, asking her, her to stay. and uh, Squeaky can't oh. stay. Squeaky must go. Squeaky is done with Riverdale. She's leaving. Oh, Pop Tate's granddaughter's name is Tabitha. Yes, Tabitha, Tabitha. Tate. Uh, and I hope she never gets married. <laughs> and so then, as Squeaky leaves, Jughead's narration comes back. Finally, that, yeah. That uh, Lynette Fields, also known as Squeaky, came to Riverdale for a fresh start. That but never at, started. And at 21, it's time for a change. And she's going to San Francisco, and we see her get picked up on the road by a truck. With a skeleton. Fucking skeleton on the a front. A skeleton, like, like, strapped in a T-pose to the grill with glowing red eyes. I love it. I love Skeletruck. 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 And he tells us she won't make it to California. And I'm like, no, she got in Skeletruck. Well, don't get in Skeletruck. She's going to make the next Skeletruck. Tony's trucks don't go at night. Don't trust the truck. It's an untrustworthy non-Tony truck. <laughs> that truck isn't union. And that is the end of the episode. The serpents are now a labor union. I've decided this. Oh, yeah. She, she's not serpent queen. She, she's union head. Union head? She, she's the union rep. So, darling, what did you think? There's one thing that clearly annoys me greatly. <laughs> Timeline? Chad. <laughs> yeah, everyone Chad. hates Chad. Fuck that dude. Like, he's worse than Brett. He's worse than Brett. Brett was at least, like, awful and right. a dickwad. Brett had great moments of being awful. Chad just sucks. <laughs> he's just... He just sucks. <laughs> just want him to like but, but I, do, I, want, I want babies I want, I want put baby in your tummy I want I, I want, want my sperm to want, make babies I want put my wee wee in your woo woo <laughs> make baby. oh my god that's a sex talk that's a sexy bedtime talk but only after the accident before the accident he was laying pipe man oh yeah and now he's just ugh ugh <laughs> <laughs> he makes me like sick <laughs> And it pisses me off Veronica's with him, because, like, girl! I guess my, my real problem conceptually, like, philosophically, is that we, we left Riverdale last saying that there is something wonderful here if we can all hold it, and some people, like, committing themselves to making that a reality as, as we, we all went off on our own ways. And so it, it immediately ruins that. Because nothing fucking worked. Nothing happened. Take, well, taking Hiram out of his legitimate and illegitimate businesses did nothing. Because he just... was going to the Caymans. Right? He just apparently rebuilt it all from the mayor's office, which makes sense. But it makes that whole string of episodes completely useless. It makes Betty's speech meaningless. So here's the problem with Betty's speech. Is that Jellybean was the only one listening and she went to Toledo. <laughs> and she went to Toledo. No one else heard that speech of the next generation. So yeah, what what do you do with Riverdale after Riverdale? You say, oh, the, the town is in trouble and we need to save it because it meant so much to us. Naturally, yes. But then if you know that's where you're going, don't leave off at that note that, that it, it instead just becomes just like, eh, whatever, you suck. I don't, I don't like that. A much better storyline would have been that Riverdale was thriving without them. And when they all came back for, you know, Pop's terminal cancer or whatever, mm -hmm. they brought their shit. 
Yeah, yeah. And had to deal with it in this like they bring, place that this place that is doing better without them. They they bring another serial killer. A, a, the they trash bring bag the mob. Yeah. Like suddenly the mob comes back. And they the bring, worst thing of all, Chad. <laughs> yes. But like it would have been, I think, a stronger approach to it. And then when they're dealing with that, the, the self-reflection that that forces on them, mm-hmm. they discover that there is still this nasty streak uh, from, from before that they can take care of, that, that Tony and Kevin and Tom and whoever else uh, was unaware of, could not have uncovered. Yes. Yeah. At least let there be something for two or three episodes. Yeah. Like, how extreme... This town is supposed to have gone to shit. Mm-hmm. And also how, like, okay we are with also being here. The The problem with showing Riverdale gone to hell is that it always was. Yes. We're, we're mourning over, like, a, a golden age that never existed. Even when we talk about times before our teens were in high school, we're, we're just lynching random traveling salesmen and Nana Blossom is is gossiping about it or whatever. Like, there, there was never a good time in this town to, to, to regret losing. Well, and there's also a super big problem with the impl- implication that, you know, a ghetto environment or whatever means that there is nothing good there. Yes. Like, yes. I'm sorry. Houses can be torched and... Things can be abandoned and demolished, but that doesn't mean that the people match this awful yeah. stereotype. I would I would have loved to see some kids playing games in Skid Row. I would love to see, like, uh, uh... People making... Trying to have the best life they can have in the situation that they are in. I, I hope next week we see some things that Tony and Kevin and, and Fangs have been doing in the meantime, trying to, to make yes. that happen. Hopefully they're they're doing great work at the school with what limited resources Hiram is letting them have, etc., yeah. etc. Et yeah, they're... <sighs> It, it's so flatly one note is what yes. it is. And that is, that's not life. That's not even good fiction life. No. All that said, it was fun to talk about. Yes. Because they did some weird ass shit. Yes, yes. They're, they're... Such as dogs. Why are there rabbit <laughs> dogs if we're just fine with this? There is some good, there's good stuff in here. There's good hooks. There's good potential. It's just, man, I don't, mm, mm. You got you got to look for it because it is occluded by the other bits. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird to also be like, oh, the core four, none of them would have come back mm-hmm. on their own choosing, but all the side characters would. <laughs> and it's like, okay, at least one of them would have. Maybe they're the real heroes. You ever think about that? <laughs> yes, actually. That's what I think about a lot of times. I mean... There's a chance that none of them had any family ties back to Riverdale, but all the ones who stayed did. It depends on where Alice is right now. <laughs> Kevin did, and Fangs and Kevin go. are together, there and Fangs and Sweet Pea and Tony are a family. Yeah, and I mean, Sweet Pea never left. Sweet Pea had, had no mobility out of town. Again, Fangs and Sweet Pea are like Tony's adopted brothers yes. because of Grandma Topez. Yes! And and Tony came back for Nana and possibly Grandpa. Is he in the picture or not? Oh, Who no! knows? Did that and, actor die? I have questions. And Cheryl. I think she came back for Cheryl. Yes. yes. And she obviously wants to try to, you know, fix that. Mary. 
Do you never, like, come back? <laughs> Did you never think to write your son in the war about his hometown and how things are not going well? Darling, you own property. Our landlord lives in Texas. This is true. <laughs> but she at least has someone who, like, can come by occasionally. <laughs> She knows a guy. She's got a couple guys. For when the one guy isn't available, she's got a second guy. Yeah. Yeah. Does Mary not have a guy? Mary. Does she not call, like... Mary, you gotta get a guy. Sheriff Keller? And be like, hey, dude, how's the house doing? You sold off Andrew's construction, but you still gotta know a guy there. Didn't Keller run Andrew's construction? Didn't he, like, get it? I'm just what? saying there are licensed contractors in town who you can get in contact with. You at least know a guy who knows a guy. You can get a guy. Yeah. That is the beginning of Riverdale 2 to, to uh, continue what we said last week. Yes. But with a new season comes a new segment. Ooh. We've had a time skip and this episode showed us what many, many of our characters got up to in the meantime, but not all. No. So it is time to ask not where are they now, but where were they then? Uh. And this week we are talking about one Ethel Muggs. Oh. Darlin', what do you think Ethel did during the time skip? <sighs> okay, so last time we saw her, mm-hmm. she was still like dealing with the fallout of the cult. Uh, the very last time we saw her, she was Jughead's informant about uh, uh, the Blue Velvet and what they have in their back room. Yes. And it was one of the, the times when she when, when they were most leaning toward the, the source material's uh, big crush. That's right. Ethel's big crush on Jughead. That was her defining feature, uh, aside from her unfortunate face, depending on which decade we're talking about. Yes. I think mm-hmm. that Ethel, she went to college. Yeah. And got, you know, a degree that was like a safe degree. Like she was going to have like a safe career. Sure, type sure. Thing. Do you think Ethel is STEM? Uh, I was thinking more like a CPA. Oh, okay. Okay. So she's doing that. She's pretty successful, but she's very unhappy in her day-to-day life. Uh, so she likes to go to Burning Man. Oh, oh, okay. She's part of the Burning Man scene. I can see that, actually. Yeah, it, yeah. it really kind of connects to um, the sense of community she had at the cult. Mm-hmm, but in mm-hmm. a much healthier way. <laughs> when Burning Man likes, is the healthy option. They just like to do drugs and be naked in the desert. It's But fine. they're very, like, you know, they try to pay attention to their environmental impact. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. They, they like, pick up a lot of garbage. <laughs> I, I think the idea of uh, Ethel as working as a CPA is, is interesting, considering uh, that her father was ruined financially Hiram's schemes back in New York. Yeah. It's, ah. it's her way of, like, processing yeah, that, yeah. that emotional trauma. Not going to get me again. I'm going to be very, very good with the books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Ethel became a TV puppeteer. <laughs> I think she started her own uh, cable access show for kids yeah. do, doing, uh, doing a, a puppet okay. a puppet program. Okay. And I think she dedicated every episode to Jughead. Not by name, but there's like dedicated Burger to boy. to a special friend, you oh. know, sort of thing. And she knows who it is. Yeah. I also think she's in jail for tax evasion. <laughs> now that's why we don't see her. Yeah. Yes. It's, just, it's Burning Man time. <laughs> she's out on the, the paya or playa. What it? She's eating a papaya. <laughs> no, it's the... the she's the... in La Jolla. Playa. Yeah. She's a playa. The The first time I heard about Burning Man, mm-hmm. I was on a Venture Crew camping trip in northern Michigan. 
And we went into town to get some some groceries. Mm-hmm. And uh, the random tiny-ass grocery store in uh, this town um, had a dollar book section. And I bought a hardcover copy of a book about the creation of Burning Man. Well, the only Burning Men I recognize are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So when I was 15, yeah. it was like my dream to go to Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, it's my dream to, to serve King Nebuchadnezzar as a practicing Jewish boy. Fun fact there about me. <laughs> so, darling, uh, it, it is time for uh, our longest running segment that we do every week. It is time <laughs> to lay down some predictions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. What you got? Uh, Skeletruck. 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 Skeletruck is making more Skele babies? No, no, no. That's what Veronica's supposed to be doing. Every baby has a skeleton. I'll have you know. So, Skeletruck picks up someone. Uh Uh-huh. They're now going to murder that person, turn them into just their skeleton, and then it's going to go on front of another truck. And it will be more Skeletrucks. And they are making a Skeletruck army that is coming to take down the Serpent's trucking business. It's like a pyramid scheme. Yes. If you get in on the ground floor skeleton. Yes. You will see no money. <laughs> because you're dead. Top line. Everybody knows it. TBK, the trash bag killer, is Agent Glenn. Yes! That's mine! Obviously. That's mine too! I totally said Betty's boyfriend is evil. Or, or, Dark Horse Candidate, Chad. <laughs> Chad. He seems like he doesn't leave Veronica alone. <laughs> so I'm going with no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So obviously Betty is not going to be uh, going back. She is going to be not cleaning out the satellite FBI location, but it is going to become her own office. Yeah, she's going to open that that up and, and yeah. Yeah, she will also um, put herself into the place of a hitchhiker to get abducted ah, by a truck. Ah, she's going to be and- bait. Yes, and then she is going to have to be saved, and that's when everything comes out about her trauma of, like, the trash bag killer. Two weeks in the hole. Yes, and everyone's like, what the fuck, girl? Why'd you get in that truck? You're mm-hmm. just asking for trouble now. Uh, we, we do know, uh, based on a sample size of one, at least, Skeletruck likes blondes. Uh, Jughead moves back into the sex hole because he has no place to stay until Archie invites him to be a roomie with him. Once he kicks the ghoulies out of his house. <laughs> Reggie is going to betray Hiram and be his downfall in like 15 episodes or so, maybe. We got to see him do a lot of fun scummy shit first. Ooh, ooh, okay. Veronica mm-hmm. is going to hook up with Reggie to like get in on like to find out what her father is fucking up to. Uh-huh. And we're going to finally get like more of like the Veronica Reggie relationship, but it's totally yeah, like yeah. to take advantage of her father. And it's real easy cuz Reggie doesn't know what sex is. No. No. Uh Tony's baby is a clone. The only question is of who. Uh, uh Tony, this is my good one is carrying Kevin and Fangs's child. She is a surrogate. Oh. And she is not telling anyone oh. because it is they're going to announce it like once she gives birth and like they're going to like do their like this is our child. Maybe because they don't know because they did a mixed sample thing. Yeah, so yeah. she doesn't know who cuz it's it one could, of them. But yeah, mm. that's that's my like 
I'm so proud of that one, and I, I really hope it's true. I really hope that's where they go with this. I like that idea. I like her, her being a surrogate for, for Fangs and Kevin. Right? Yeah. Like, she's a surrogate basically for her brother. Yeah. You know? Who else would it be? And the thing is, is, like, I don't feel like... Like, unplanned pregnancies happen, but yes. I don't feel like that would be what Tony would be happening. And I totally think Especially, I said Cheryl instead of Tony earlier when I was talking about all this. Mm-hmm. So just Tony. It's Tony, Tony, Tony. Especially in an episode that makes a point for her to say, and I'm still totally gay. <laughs> yes. That's why I'm totally on the surrogate train here. Mm-hmm. And I think... Even though I was pretty clearly bi when I was introduced in season two, whatever. It's fine. Sexual? Changes. People, people grow. People you change. You figure out who you are. Yeah. Like that's the thing about spectrums. You can move on them. Yeah. Yeah. You gonna decide? Your your idea is a lot more wholesome and uh th- than mine, which is that she found a uh, uh, a preserved tissue sample of Jason, so she oh, could God. so she can have Cheryl's baby. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's gross. No, 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 no. Ah, dang it. The vagina ran away again. God damn it. It is so gone. It is, it is in like Michigan. (laughs) It is gone. I've got to go back to my happy place of Kevin and Fangs, Bean Papas, and like Tony will be the godmother and Sweet Pea's the godfather and everything's fine. Sweet Pea's going to Photoshop himself into like the Scarface poster because he's the godfather because he doesn't realize that not every mob movie is the same movie. When he shows up to like the, you know, to like meet the new baby, he's going to dress like that because yeah, he thinks yeah, he's that's gonna what a little it is. Carnation like, oh, and... I, I thought that's what you, it's not a or, costume or... party? Like, no, <laughs> a godfather is not that. It means like, if we die, you help take care of our child. I can arrange that Reggie, who invited you? <laughs> what are you doing here, Reggie? Go away. We don't like you anymore. All right, so it is time to talk about next week, Chapter 81, The Homecoming. Uh, this is named for a film, but uh, uh, a film of a Harold Pinter play, The Homecoming, about uh, uh, a dude taking his wife back home to meet his brothers and his nephews and... Things are tense, very tense. You know, you, you you can't go home again. Yeah. Uh, so that trailer though. That trailer. The the main plot seems to be a, a big raid on the Andrews house in order to to beat the shit out of those ghoulies. To purge the ghoulies. Uh, uh Betty's still having flashbacks to to TBK. Uh, there's a, a a moment of shower sex in the trailer. Is this Yo, new? I'm so glad you thought it was shower sex too. Is this new shower sex? Is this a memory of shower sex? I am so glad that I was not the only one there. Is Archie just walking through the house? Memories of the way we were. And just thinking about shower sex. Yes, yes. Okay. Maybe we just, like, maybe we get actual shower sex. Archie's The conf- only people that are together are Kevin and Fang, so, like, come on, boys. Archie is confronting Hiram, you know? Some things never change. There you go. Uh, Veronica is, is just bleached blonde, like, straight out the that's peroxide. Yeah, that's probably. And Jughead- I think that's the one she wore that she put, like, 
a handkerchief around to go visit Archie in prison. <laughs> it's her favorite. Yeah. Uh, Jughead is is on the ground, uh, cowering, but trying to like make make a hey, it's okay, guys, kind of face. Makes me wonder if if the bill collectors haven't followed him. Maybe. Maybe. Uh-huh. They called their buddy Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> they got a network. And that's really about it. That's about, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. That's that's a lot more detail than we usually get into on this. If you'd like, and if you've enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. As we take our first steps on the journey that is Riverdale 2. Uh, you can give us a rating and review wherever you listen. A new, uh, you know, a new spinoff show here. Might as well leave a new review. Yeah. 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 Uh, and do some new talking. Uh, talk to some new friends. Talk to old friends about new things. That's right. Word of mouth uh, is what really helps our, our uh, show grow and find a new audience. Because, like, you're here. You know we have fun. Don't you want more people to have fun? Yeah. I think that would make the world a better place. Uh, you can also connect with us on Twitter, sex underscore Archie. Yes. You can drop us a comment, a thought. Whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. I appreciate a, a tweet we got from, from a listener, That Pazuzu, in this past week, talking about how uh, uh, the, the timelessness of Riverdale is really only heartened by uh, Veronica vaguely saying, the war. Because if you yes. look at all of their pop culture references and all of the props, especially, it could be any given war. This is true. While you are out there, I would appreciate if people uh, took a look at a feature article I wrote for film site The Spool, uh, talking about uh, one of our other favorite shows, The Expanse, and placing it in in the the legacy of television science fiction forebear Mobile Suit Gundam. The people who have read that and said things about it have said really nice things, so I guess I did okay on that. Uh, It'll be linked in the show notes of this episode. You can also just... Look for it at thespool.com, T-H-E-S-P-O-O-L.com. It's a great site. There's a reason. They're the people I pitched it to because they are an independent outfit here in Chicago that does really, really good work that uh, I think deserves more attention. Yeah. So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie, Trash Bag Killer. Trash Bag Killer.